On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Pauley. A good Thursday evening to you. Welcome into the program. My name is Matt Pauley. We are live at Summerfest. It is so good to have Summerfest back. It is great to be out here. The hustle, the bustle, the people watching. It doesn't get, in terms of people watching, it doesn't really get much better. We've got kind of the whole fishbowl thing, and we've just got people walking by. And we get, I'm literally talking about watching people as they're walking by. Yes, I am watching you right now. Welcome into the program. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. If you uh, did not hear earlier today, the Brewers fall short. They lose to San Francisco by a 5-1 score, but they still take three of four in the the series they still have a winning road trip they still win the overall series from the giants a lot more good than bad right now for the brewers and uh, they just continue they just continue to you know the, the cliche is put their head down and play hard on an everyday basis and more often than not they're going to win i've been most uh, yeah, every day, every single day, post-game press conference, every day, everybody's talked about or everybody's being asked the exact same question over and over and over. It's about playing with this big lead, and does it change anything? Does it make things easier? Do you look at it? Do you know about it? How much talk is there about the standings? Yada, yada, yada. And to a man, everybody, whether it's Craig Council, whether it's any of the players, it's all about staying in the moment. It's all about just going out and playing hard on an everyday basis. People like me can sit here and say, like, the Brewers have the Division One. I, I know they're mathematically not yet uh, division champions, but the Brewers have the Division One. I, I, I have no problem saying that whatsoever. I will say it over and over and over. This is a division that the Brewers have won. May may not have won it mathematically yet, but they indeed have won this division. And they got to play out this next month, and they got to put themselves in the best possible position to have the longest possible postseason run, no matter how long that happens to be. If anything's going to take this team down, it's injuries on the injury front. Things do seem to be coming back around, and uh, we're going to see a couple guys get activated prior to the start of the series against St. Louis coming up tomorrow. Speaking of that series... Not only St. Louis, but the Brewers are going to play the Phillies as well. But the Brewers still have a lot of games against St. Louis left. They've got this series coming up against Philadelphia. The Brewers are going to play a huge role in who ends up winning that second National League wild card just based off the schedule. And something that always concerns me, and this kind of goes back, this is going to be a really good test for this team. When games are not, how do I say this? When games are not equally yoked, so often... They, it's, it's, it goes so much in the direction of the team that has more at stake. And for the Brewers, they're not going to have as much at stake. The, the games between the Brewers and the Cardinals are going to mean so much more for the Cardinals because the Cardinals are chasing. The games against the Phillies are going to mean so much more for the Phillies because they're chasing. So it's going to be a good test for the Brewers to play in these games and try to continue to kind of have an edge to what they're doing even when they're playing against teams that have so much more on the line. We'll discuss that a little bit more coming up. We'll look at the pitching matchups for this uh, series coming up against St. Louis. Uh, looking forward to that. And even though it's not Brewers-related, it's baseball-related, we got to get into what's going on with the Mets. we got to get into what's going on with the Mets. You talk about a disaster 
on so many levels. So many. Uh, and we'll touch on it, whether it's the thumbs-down stuff from their players, whether it's their acting general manager getting a DUI, just the long run of bad leadership inside of that organization, and it just continues on. We'll discuss that later on this hour as well. Again, if you want to join us, we're here for you. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. It is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We are live at Summerfest, and we're back with more in just a moment on WTMJ. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. We go way out there ain't nobody. Luke Bryan going to be playing the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. That show gets, well, I guess the show is underway. He's not on stage yet, though. He's got an opener, Dylan Scott. So he'll, well, what do you think? Because that show got started at 7.30. So Dylan Scott probably played maybe 30, 40 minutes. That takes us to 8.10. He, Dylan Scott probably just got over they're probably in that in-between time right now, and uh, Luke Bryan will be taking the stage at some point in the relatively near future. Welcome back in. It is Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. We are live at Summerfest, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet in as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. The only thing the Brewers really have going against them is the injuries that they continue to have. And and they were a really, really healthy team for like a week. And they continue to cycle through injuries. It's going to get better tomorrow. Freddie Peralta is going to start for the crew tomorrow. He'll come off the injured list. He spoke to the media a little bit today. He doesn't know what his pitch count is going to be, but he says he's 100% uh, ready to go. You would think that they are going to handle Peralta with kid gloves the rest of the way. And just keep this in the back of your mind, because I hear it all the time, I see it all the time. Uh, a Brewers pitcher goes five, six innings, they're just rolling, and they come out of the game. And you just know, I know that the moment I opened up the text line before doing Brewers extra innings, there's going to be criticism of Craig Council about pulling pitchers. And sometimes that's warranted, but I would say this, especially when it comes to Peralta, if you are one of those people who are thinking about firing off one of those texts, one of those tweets, if Peralta is removed from a game a little, what seems like prematurely between now and the end of the regular season, put the phone down, close the computer browser, do whatever you need, because he has already passed his career high in innings. He's got the shoulder issue. You need you need your three guys, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta. You need your three guys as healthy as possible going into the postseason. That is the number one key for the Brewers, those three guys being available to pitch. And Peralta's the one that it feels like it's kind of, it, not tenuous, but the one you got to be most careful with just because of where he is at in terms of his uh, innings pitched for the season. And you, uh, you, can, you can be really, really light on him uh, the rest of the way. Uh, Doug Textin says, We'll be interesting watching Peralta pitch tomorrow, see how that shoulder is, and good to get Escobar back at first base, get some consistency. And, um, uh, yeah, so that's uh, – and for me – Escobar's got to play a lot of first base. I would not be totally against him playing some first base against some right-handers. And it's a 
they've got two other guys, specifically Rowdy Telez, and Telez has been up and down recently. He has not been swinging it real well, but you look at what he's done. You still want to play him as much as you can. There's not enough playing time at first base, probably, for in a perfect world situation with all those guys. But for me, I really want to see Escobar play a fair amount of first base because when you get into the postseason, I'm all about track record. And the guy who's got the track record is Eduardo Escobar. And that's the bat that you want in the lineup. And there's going to be potentially times where you want to have Urias at third and you want to have Escobar at first. And it might not just be a left-handed starter situation. That might turn into the lineup that you go with. And largely, once you get into the postseason, your, your, your lineup stays mostly the same. And, and sometimes, in some situations... It stays mostly the same, whether it's a left-hander on the mound or whether it's a right-hander on the mound. I still think once you get into the postseason, we'll probably see uh, Rowdy Telez getting more starts at first base than Eduardo Escobar, but he's got to get things going. And so I just the, I, I continue to be concerned about Escobar's defense at first base and his ability to pick balls out because postseason games are so tight so often one play can make the difference in a game. You have a one-run lead, a two-run lead. That can turn over so quickly. You brought Escobar in because of what he can do with his bat, but also it was partly to, to shore up first base, and I just want to see him play there as much as possible so he can kind of learn. And just the, that That's the toughest part of playing first base, the footwork and everything else that you need to do and knowing when to come off the, the bag and uh, what to pursue, what not to pursue. Things like that are challenging, but for a guy like Escobar who has played everywhere, who's played on the corners at third, like I'm not worried about that stuff. I think he's going to be fine. What I'm worried about is just his ability to be able to pick out throws, and I don't want to see the Brewers in a situation where a, pl- a play is not made, a ball is not picked out, and that ends up costing them a game at some point in the postseason. So really good to get Escobar back and get him that experience. Good to get Freddie Peralta back. Uh, today, Avi Garcia came out of the game a little bit early. It didn't sound like it's a it's a big deal. That's the other thing here. When If somebody feels something, if there's a little tightness, if there's a little twinge, this is not time to be a hero. This is the time to get out of the game and do whatever you need to do to make sure that you're going to feel good moving forward. Brett Anderson goes on the injured list uh, again today. Not again, but he, he's been he's dealt with a lot of injuries. I don't know. There was criticism on social media about Anderson uh, the other day. And what, what do you do when you got a line drive coming off the bat at over 100 miles per hour that's coming right at your shoulder? Like, you can't blame Anderson for that. There's obviously been some other smaller injuries that has resulted in him coming out of the game. But Anderson onto the injured list, and now you don't know how long it's going to be until he's able to come back. So that's just to see this is not a unique thing to the Brewers. This is not unique to the Brewers at all. Every team in baseball dealing with injuries. And that's a normal thing no matter what. I think in a year where you're playing the 162 after the 60, it is that much more pronounced. And even with the injuries that the Brewers have had, I think they've done. A, they've obviously done a very good job, kind of plowing through them. But most importantly, they've been able to avoid the really major injuries, and they've been able to mostly avoid uh, injuries to those top three starting pitchers. Peralta down on the side for a little bit with a shoulder issue. You get the sense that if this was the postseason or if this was a tighter race, maybe he would have come back a little bit sooner. 
Burns at one point was down with COVID, but for the most part, the Brewers starters have done a pretty good job of being uh, healthy this year, and that's a credit to the organization. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We are live at Summerfest. This is Brewers Weekly. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Speedwagon, they're going to be taking the stage at 10 o'clock tonight at the BMO Harris Pavilion with a Miller Lite. 10 o'clock, REO Speedwagon. We are live at Summerfest, 855-616-1620, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, or tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Brewers come up short against the Giants today, 5-1, but they still win the season series from the Giants. They win the actual series, taking three out of four, and they have a winning road trip. Win, win, win. We're saying we're talking a lot about winning when it comes to the Brewers because they have done a lot of winning this year. They're getting set to open up a, a homestand, second-to-last homestand for the Brewers. It will start with three games against St. Louis tomorrow night, Freddie Peralta against Adam Wainwright. Good pitching matchups all the way around. We'll talk about that a little bit more coming up later on. Mike in Colorado texting into the program. Says, uh, Matt, looking back on the season series with San Francisco, the Giants never outplayed or beat the Brewers in their seven games. The Giants benefited from Brewers' mistakes and errors, and today's loss can be directly attributed to the poor decision by the New York umpires to overturn the stolen base out that would have closed the door on the Giants' eighth inning. So if the Brewers were to face the Giants in the playoffs, I feel good about the Brewers in that matchup. That was a really weird thing today. There, uh, from the video that we saw, there was no there was no video that absolutely showed uh, that the hand got in to the bag before the tag was applied. I I just hate replay so much. I hate it so much. It is so inconsistent. Uh, they get things wrong. That's the part of it, though. It's the it's the inconsistencies to it, uh, where you see something. And you go, okay, that's probably enough, and then it's not. And then you see something and go, oh, well, there's no way that's enough to overturn it. And it is. It's just the system is really, really bad. And I don't like it. It's it's frustrating. I, anybody who is that bad at their job shouldn't have that job. So if you are that bad in implementing Major League Replay, you shouldn't be implementing it. Figure out something else. There's all these cameras. There's all these angles. Uh, if you got to go add more cameras, more angles, more data, more HD, more uh, whatever, I don't care what you got to do, but you got to you got to figure it out. And Major League Baseball has shown no motivation, no desire, no willingness to try to fix the replay issue, and it's just going to continue to sit as it is, and it's going to be totally, totally inconsistent, and it's really, really frustrating. But to, to Mike's main point, he's right. Now, we don't know what would have happened today. Yeah, today is not one of those games where if if the out is, you know, if the call stands and, say, the Brewers even get out of that eighth inning before the Giants put up four runs, it's still a 1-1 game. So we don't know how today's game would have ended if not for that four-run eighth inning. But really, when, to, to Mike's point, you had one game in Milwaukee where Avisayo Garcia does not make a catch 
where that's a that's a play that he may he may never miss that kind of catch again. Garcia is not the greatest defensive outfitter, but that was a play that he's going to make over and over and over again. And I got to think there's a good chance that there's never going to be another instance in his career where he doesn't make that play. And that if that catch is made, boom, the game is over. And then in one of the other uh, in the other loss against the uh, against the Giants, Luis Urias made a mistake, and there was an error in there, and that led to some runs as well. That was more. You can't just assume that errors are not going to be made. Like That happens over the course of a game. So I can sit here and say the Brewers should have taken two of three in that first series against the Giants. They could have taken three of three if they would have played a little bit better defense. Today's game, we really don't know what would have happened had the play been upheld at second base, but it wasn't. The Brewers still win three out of four. Uh, I like the Brewers matching up against the Giants. I think the Brewers are, are a better team than the Giants. They're uh, the Giants are a really good team. I'm not saying that the Giants are not a good team. The Giants are a really good team. I think the Brewers are a better team, and I think that matchup is one that there's uh, there's certainly some advantages for the Brewers. Giants have fallen out of first place in the National League West, and uh, we'll see. Uh, there's there's a lot of baseball left to be played, and that division certainly has not yet been completely figured out, and the Giants and the Dodgers are about to open up a series against each other with the win today. Uh, the Giants and the Dodgers are identical at 85 and, and 49. It feels like the Dodgers are a better team against uh, than the Giants. It, that's how it feels. And throughout the year until now, the Giants have been better by their record than the Dodgers, but if you're talking to me about a series between the Giants and the Dodgers, I would take the Dodgers. And if you offer me the Brewers to play the Giants or the Brewers to play the Dodgers in the NLCS, I'm not even thinking about it for an extra second. I would much rather see the Brewers play the Giants because I think they have a better chance and they match up better against the Giants than they do against the Dodgers. That's not to say that they can't beat the Dodgers. That's not to say that. With with their starting pitching, and we've already seen them take three out of four against the Dodgers this year, they absolutely would have the opportunity to beat the Dodgers in a series. I think there is a higher percentage chance of them being able to beat the Giants in a uh, in a seven-game series in an NLCS. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Even though the Brewers have have uh, the division pretty much locked up. They are going to play a very large role in who ends up winning the National League's second wild card. We'll discuss that coming up in just a moment. Live at Summerfest, this is Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. T-Pain taking the stage in about an hour and a half, 10 o'clock. The U.S. Cellular Connection Stage. This is, uh, this is what my life is. When I hear T-Pain, I think former Mass Singer champion T-Pain. I'm a big Mass Singer guy. I'm not alone in that. That thing gets huge ratings. We love it. That's where uh, Steve Scafidi and I disagree. Steve Scafidi thinks shows like Mass Singer are, are the reason for so many issues uh, in, our, uh, in our culture where I think it's just good fun. It's fun. You got people in crazy masks singing songs, and you're trying to guess and figure out who they are. What's wrong with that? Come on, Steve Scafidi. 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air. I was on with Steve today. We didn't talk about The Masked Singer, but I like Steve. We just disagree. He should watch The Masked Singer. Maybe uh, maybe we can make a bet at some point in time, and if he loses the bet, he has to watch an entire season of The Masked Singer. I think that would be good. Greg, you like that? If, if uh, Scafidi and I have to bet on something, and if he loses, he has to watch every single episode for a single season of The Masked Singer? I do. I love it, and because he's going to get hooked on it, obviously, and then the bet will go who gets the Masked Singer champion correct, and that'll be the bet moving forward. Yeah, but you know what? Maybe even we take it one step further, where just to, to make him be in that much more pain, uh, not T-pain, but just pain, we have to do a segment the next day on his show every single week doing a Mass Singer recap. TV time with Matt. Oh, my gosh. Genius. Genius. Matt's Mass we'll Singer measurable metric. <laughs> 855-616-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Don's in Shorewood. Hey, Don, thanks for calling. You're on WTMJ. Great. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my question is with the Mets being a train wreck, as you correctly call it, them having a vacancy both at the general manager level and probably the assistant, um, should we have concern that they might be wishing to poach our New York area um, general manager? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, Don, and some of that speculation got built up a little bit more uh, this past week because Buster Olney from ESPN wrote a story. Uh, the Mets and Stearns have been connected previously. What I'm about to say has never been confirmed, but it has been reported that the Mets had reached out to the Brewers to try to interview Stearns and that the Brewers blocked the interview, which they are allowed to do. Now, what Buster only said in his column this past week was because Stearns' contract is only running for for one more year. Uh, that maybe there's a scenario where they would actually, you know, Stearns could go to to Brewers ownership if he really wanted that job and could work something out where maybe they let him interview because he's not going to sign a contract extension with the team. I don't. The, David Stearns has never done anything, never indicated in any way that he wants to leave Milwaukee, that he wants to go to to New York. It's just it's never been a thing that we've seen from him. Now, that is the area he's from, and we can't run away from that fact, and we can't run away from the fact that we know that that organization absolutely has been interested in him at some point in time. I'm kind of going in circles, Don, because I don't really have an answer for you. We'd have to know, you know, deep down... If David Stearns wants to work for the New York Mets, then there's probably a pathway towards him going to the New York Mets. But he's never done or said anything that would give an indication that that's something that he wants. And I just have to believe he's done such a good job of building this. Like you have that when you build something, you want to see it to the end, and. You haven't built this thing to the end until this team has won a World Series. So when you are a competitor and you don't get into sports unless you're a competitor, I just personally have to believe that Stearns really wants to see the Brewers win a World Series at some point. Now, maybe that's this year, and maybe maybe that changes things. I think the name to keep more of an eye out on is certainly Theo Epstein. The Mets are going to you know give a lot of money, and that's, the, that's probably the sexier name uh, when you think about who might be available. 
available. We're not real sure if Epstein wants to go back into being uh, in, in player personnel or if he wants to do something bigger than that. I still think he's a really, really important person when it comes to the uh, negotiations that are going to be going on between players and owners moving forward. He does some work uh, in the commissioner's offense for uh, for Major League Baseball. Uh, but that's another name in there. I'm, it's a long answer that doesn't really give you much substance, but it is something that's being discussed. There was a story about it uh, this past week, so we'll see how that plays out. This this deal with the Mets, so th- just in the last week, they've got a thing where you've got players doing thumbs down, and then they admit that they were doing it because they don't like being booed. And that is, that's an incredible thing to admit. If I think it's a little bit short-sighted. I think it's I think it's very unbecoming of a major league baseball player to do that. You get booed. It's part of the gig. You know that that's going to happen uh, when you when you get into that job. And it, it's not even that. You know, I was uh, I was on with uh, with Tony Smith on ninety four five ESPN this past week, and he defended those Mets players, basically saying, you know what, if fans are going to boo, then players have the right. To respond to the booing, and from a very literal standpoint, I, I guess I agree with Tony when he said that. But where I disagree is I just I hold these guys to a higher standard. It's like an internet troll. You you don't you don't engage all the time with the internet trolls, not because what they might not say might bother you. Look, I'll be honest with you. There's times where people are very very they, some very mean things can be said in my direction, and I'm. I'm a nobody, right? Like you just uh, a random text message. I, I don't have a whole lot of notoriety. I, I talk about the I talk about baseball on the radio, and there are times where text messages or tweets are directed at me, and they sting a little bit. Like I see it, and I and I don't like it. I understand the human element of wanting to respond to it, but I I do my best not to, and I think players need to do their best not to as well. And and they didn't, and then the organization gets all upset, and then. And then just to add on to how horrible of a run the New York Mets are on, their acting general manager gets he is found at asleep at the wheel and gets a D, gets um, is arrested for suspicion of DWI. I want to make sure that I say that the correct way. Joel Sherman, who covers the New York Mets uh, for the New York Post, kind of put a timeline on everything that has happened to the Mets over the course of the last year and a half or so. They hired Carlos Beltran to be their manager. He never, ever managed a game because he was associated with the Astros sign-stealing scandal. Mickey Calloway, their former manager, placed by Major League Baseball on the ineligible list for violating uh, the league's harassment policies. He did that when he was a Met. Uh, reportedly, a number of people who they have wanted to hire as a new president of baseball operations would not even interview because they did not want to work for that organization, so they left that job completely uh, unfilled. Their last general manager, Jared Porter, fired a month into being the general manager because he was sending lewd texts to a female reporter. Then you got their acting general manager, Zach Scott, who's now been placed on administrative leave because he's accused of DWI. What a run. What a run for the Mets. You talk about a void of leadership all the way around from all those things being done by people in leadership positions and 
other leaders not making sure to stop the players from doing the thumbs-down thing, that is a mess. That is a mess all the way around. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. It's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're live at Summer Force, Summer Fest excuse me, more in a moment here on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. The Cold War Kids, they're going to be on stage, the Genrac Power Stage with Miller Lite at 10 o'clock. Greg, are they the Cold War Kids, or do I just call them Cold War Kids? Like, sometimes you're not supposed to say the in front of us. Yeah, you're basically doing a the Facebook right now. Right. I remember, so early on in my time, I used to work as a uh, as a music DJ in radio, early on in my radio career, and I was doing country music, and I didn't know a lot about country music, and I remember calling Rascal Flats the Rascal Flats, and I got destroyed on that one. So is that what I just did? Is Cold War Kids, is calling the Cold War Kids uh, uh, akin to me calling Rascal Flats the Rascal Flats? <laughs> yes, exactly the same. Okay. Just making sure... A couple of years ago here, and I really like Billie Eilish now. I enjoy I enjoy her music. But when she was here, I think maybe in the last time we had Summerfest, so maybe two years ago, maybe three years ago, I don't know. Uh, I I said him. It was Billie. So I assumed I had no clue at that point in time who Billie Eilish was. I didn't realize it was a woman. Um, and I called him. I called Billie Eilish him, and the text line went crazy. And then it was very shortly after that that I realized I really like Billie Eilish's music. So. There you go. The, my my adventures with band names uh, that I'm not totally familiar with. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. The Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Brewers are going to play a very large role in who's going to end up winning the second wild card in the National League. I think this, this wild card race is going to be a lot of fun here in the final month of the season. Right now the Reds have the final wild card spot. They have a half-game lead on the Padres. Then the Phillies are two games back, and the Cardinals are two and a half games back. So with about a month left to go in the season, you have four teams within two and a half games of one spot. And that's going to be one of those things where every single night there can be a re-jumbling of what order those teams are going in in the wildcard standings. And then when you look at the Brewers' schedule, and who they're going to play, they are absolutely going to have an impact on this because they've got two series against St. Louis, so they've got seven games left against St. Louis. Essentially, the Brewers can can knock the Cardinals out of the playoffs if they have success. If, if, the, if the Brewers can take two out of three this upcoming weekend, and if, let's say, they take three... Oh, you know what? they they got more than seven games. they got ten games left. Excuse me. They have ten games left, left with St. Louis. They've got three this weekend. They've got a four-game series at home coming up September 20th through the 23rd, and then they're going to play three games in St. Louis. So ten games. If the Brewers win, say, seven of those ten games against St. Louis... The Cardinals are not going to be a playoff team. The the Brewers, more than any other team, are really going to determine whether or not St. Louis is going to find their way into that second wild card. Philadelphia has been playing great baseball. They have been on a run recently. Not only are they in it for the uh, wild card, they're starting to make things even tighter in the National League East. And it didn't help the Braves that they just got done playing the Dodgers, and the Braves just got swept in a three-game series uh, by the Dodgers. When you look at the NL East, 
the Phillies are all of a sudden within a game and a half of Atlanta. And Atlanta had extended that thing out to, what, four-plus games not that long ago, and now all of a sudden it's down to a game and a half. But the Brewers, they are going to play uh, a three-game series against Philadelphia. Even the Mets are kind of hanging around. Like, they're not going to, they're, they're not a real threat in this whole thing, but the Brewers do still have a series against the Mets coming up as well. So, uh, even though at this point, I would argue that the Brewers aren't really playing for anything. At this point, it's all about just accumulating as many wins as you possibly can just to close this thing out as soon as possible so you no longer have to talk about not having it clinched. And the magic number continues to go down and down and down. And They're, they're going to clinch the NL Central um, here in a, in a fairly short amount of time, you would think. And they've got some games against some not-so-great teams on there as well. They're going to play a three-game series against Cleveland. They've got a two-gamer against Detroit. We mentioned uh the Mets, there's a possibility that they could have the uh, the Central wrapped up by the time that they do play the Mets coming up in uh, late September. But in addition to just accumulating wins, as, as many wins as possible so they can go ahead and lock up the division, the other thing the Brewers are going to be able to do is really have an impact on who wins that second wild card in the National League. We'll look at the pitching matchups for this three-game series against St. Louis that will begin tomorrow, and we'll wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly. We'll do that next here on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2, Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studio. This is News Radio WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. There's a place I like to hide. A doorway that I... Queensryche going to be on the stage tonight. Briggs and Stratton, big backyard. That concert gets started at 10 o'clock. You've got... An hour and four minutes, if you want to see them. They are going to be here uh, tonight. And then tomorrow we continue on. Uh, headliners the rest of the weekend. Tomorrow, uh, Chance the Raptor. Or Chance the Rapper, excuse me. Not Raptor. It's not Prince Suter. And then uh, 21 Pilots is going to be uh, in concert coming up on uh, Saturday night. Just a couple minutes left in the program. Brewers and Cardinals are set to open up a three-game series tomorrow. Freddie Peralta is going to come off the injured list tomorrow. He's going to make the start. Eduardo Escobar is expected to come off the injured list as well tomorrow. So the Brewers getting a little bit more complete, a little bit more whole, a little bit more healthy. There's still some guys out there. You're still waiting on Tyrone Taylor to get back. Brett Anderson went on the injured list today after he got smoked by that line drive in uh, yesterday's game. But it feels like things are continuing to move in the right direction when it comes to uh, comes to injuries. So good pitching matchup tomorrow. Wainwright has just been so good this year. Uh, as I think he just turned 40 this past week. Dude's 13-7 and seven with a 2.97 ERA. How many 40-year-olds are sporting a sub-3 ERA uh, over the course of the last 10-15 years of baseball? It, is, it does not happen very often, so give a lot of credit there. But uh, Freddie Peralta is going to be fun to see what he is able to do. The pitching matchups all weekend are good. Uh, Saturday, Adrian Hauser will go for the Brewers. Kwon Yun Kim will get the start for uh, St. Louis. And then in the finale on Sunday, Corbin Burns going for the Brewers, and John Lester is going to get the start for St. Louis, and Lester has really been pitching well recently. Uh, tomorrow's game, 7-10 first pitch. Coverage begins with Brewers warm-up at 6 o'clock. I've got you for that tomorrow, and then I will talk to you uh, after the game tomorrow evening for Brewers Extra Innings. Look forward to talking to you then right here on WTMJ. You've been listening to Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ.